0: Hey everybody, this is John Eric Bentley, the voice of Barrett Wallace from Final Fantasy 7, the remake, so many other projects, and more importantly, you are listening to Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. Yeah. Welcome everyone to another episode of Hawaii's number one podcast, the Casanova Podcast. I'm your host, Mikhail Casanova, and I have the honor and privilege of interviewing the one, the only Giselle. She's creator relations for Logitech G. Giselle, how you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for for having me on the show.
0: Awesome. It's an honor having you on. And how's your day been so far?
1: I mean, Busy as always. I feel like that's my standard response. But uh, especially working in gaming, you know, we're, we're always working on something.
0: True, true. That's very, very true. So, uh, if you might uh, doing an introduction introduction for yourself and uh, telling people where they can find you and plug everything, like don't don't leave any stone unturned. Plug everything.
1: <laughs> okay. Well, I am Giselle Sturdevant. My pronouns are she and her. I am, as Mikhail said, the creator relations manager for Logitech G. I've been with the company now for. About three and a half years uh, originally started more on the social media side, but have transitioned to specializing in the creator relations over the last uh, seven months or so. So Mm. I I am also a a streamer, but it's very much part time because I, I really look at streaming as a way for me to better understand what content creators are going through. So it makes me better at my job. Uh, My handle is ggfirefly. That is also my handle for, for Twitter. And I am ggfirefly.tv on Instagram.
0: Awesome. 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 Um, So, so one of the things like I definitely want to uh, dive into is like, like gaming, like what got you into gaming? Like, what was that point where, you know, that memory or the instance where you played a game and it's like, yeah, This is, I love this and I want to keep playing games going forward.
1: I feel like there are so many of those memories. I am a lifelong gamer. That is Mm -hmm. that is first and foremost how I describe myself. I my first gaming system was actually an Atari uh, that my mom Mm -hmm. got for me at a garage sale because she loves going to garage sales. Uh, (laughs) It didn't work very long. I mean, that's part of the reason they were probably selling it is that it would go in and out. but it was definitely something that I always really enjoyed, you know, going to the movie theater and playing arcade games before a movie started or after the movies. Uh, for me, the first system like that was truly my system that got me into gaming was a Sega Genesis that I got for my mm-hmm. seventh birthday from my grandparents. I got it. Th- they, they let me open it the night before my birthday party, uh, which was very, very sweet because we went out to dinner with them and it was really special and it was, It was also really special that it was what they got me for my birthday. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Sonic
1: the Hedgehog was was my my game of choice. But I also really loved all of the Disney games as well, Um, which I think, you know, still hold up now. I, I, you know, I plug in my my Sega emulator and I still have a working Sega Genesis in some of those Disney games and still playing those every once in a while just for the nostalgia aspect of it is something that I really enjoy. Um, so really happy that I can, can still do that. Chuck rock Two, son of Chuck rock was, was another early game that I played. I know I have to, I have to drop in those old (laughs) games. Like if you know, you know, like there are just, there are some games and, uh, yeah, there were, there's so many games like that. I think after Sega Genesis, um, it was really PlayStation. Mm
0: -hmm. PlayStation
1: was the next jumping off point. And for me, it was really Tomb Raider, I am one of the biggest Tomb Raider fans. And it was really Tomb Raider 2 that mm-hmm. got me to the PlayStation because one, I loved playing as a female. I loved <laughs> playing as a female character and running around and fighting artifacts and, and bad guys and you know the idea of, you know, with Tomb Raider 2 starting in China, then going to Venice and progressing mm-hmm. through these, you know, real world locations tied in really nicely to the fact that I also really like to travel. And so, you know, when I now get to go to places like that, I, I, it it definitely brings me back to that little kid moment. And I run around pretending to be Tomb Raider a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that was one of those games where it was just, it was such a magical moment because Mm -hmm. I really saw myself in the game, which with, you know, the Disney games, it's, they were great to play, but you always, you know, we're seeing the Disney character. You weren't necessarily seeing yourself. Yeah. And so with with Tomb Raider, I really saw myself in the game.
2: hmm.
1: And then uh, from Tomb Raider, I feel like I'm going to just go through all my favorite franchises. Do, at it, this point. do it, do uh, it. <laughs> moving to the Xbox, I, I would be remiss without talking about Halo. I mm-hmm. mean, Halo from an FPS perspective was really the first FPS game that I played and it was mm. not very good. And I was playing on console because, you know, at that point, console was king compared to PC. Mm-hmm. PC, you know, was definitely something that I did play, but not as much of. Uh The Sims was really my my go-to PC game. I wasn't mm-hmm. a big Counter-Strike fan. I, I was more you know, it was it was too chaotic in a sense because you were playing with people you didn't know. And if you weren't very good, it was it was kind of harder to jump into for me. Yeah but uh, played a lot of The Sims, still play The Sims. Uh, the Sims 3 has been my my latest kind of uh, chill game that I've been mm-hmm. playing. Uh, but going back to Halo, Halo was the first FPS game on a console that I got really into. And it was because I was playing with my friends. I mean, this mm-hmm. is pre Xbox Live days. This is get the ethernet, have an Xbox party with you know a couple systems, a couple TVs. And we did that. And I was one of the only girls that really seriously played there were a couple mm-hmm. other girls that that I hung out with that that played, but they weren't as into it. Um, so for for me, that was really the game from the the FPS, but also the party aspect of it. And mm-hmm. then going to college again, it was Halo 2. And and we had three different houses that all had Xbox systems. And at that point, we had Xbox Live and we would all have accounts and we'd all be playing and, you know, Mm -hmm. I got to throw it back to, to um, shoddies and energy short energy sword. I I practiced an entire summer with shoddies and energy sword to get better Mm -hmm. uh, so that I could hold my (laughs) own against them. But I was one of the only girls that did. And uh, again, it's, it's those memories to me that Mm. are so great because one, it's a great, great experience that I had because it was such a positive environment. There was no, you know, toxicity because I was a girl playing. It was all my guy friends that just loved that I was playing with them. Mm-hmm. So I think those are kind of like the, the really big kind of gaming moments for me that always reinforced why I loved gaming.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and
1: now I feel very privileged that I get to work in the gaming industry.
0: Isn't this surreal? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's interesting uh you know i've i've had this uh conversation with uh, uh my friend andrew alliance before where it's like growing up with gaming and how like people were like oh there's there's no way you're going to have a career in that like there's there's no future in that and it's like the biggest industry now
1: that is that is exactly <laughs> what my my mom told me she was and and she'll laugh at me and she fully admits this now but um That was one of the things I wanted to stay home and play video games. I mean, Mm -hmm. again, throwing it back to to other franchises. I love Final Fantasy, Final Fantasy seven and nine are probably two of my favorite. Uh, Mm -hmm. I cried at the end of Final Fantasy 10 because I was so upset because I was like, he's not supposed to die. They're never supposed to die at the end. Like I was so upset um, at the end of that, but she was always worried. I was playing too many video games. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was so funny cause I was, I was a good kid and, uh, I wasn't a straight A student, but I was an A student and she was just worried, you know, what are you doing? This is not going to translate to a career or a job or anything like that. Because at the time gaming was not taken seriously. And, mm-hmm. you know, the idea of, of going into that for a career wasn't something that, you know, most parents really thought of for their kids. And it's so funny now because, I can remember my second grade teacher, you know, saying 50% of you in this classroom will have jobs that are not created as of right now. And mm-hmm. I really feel like that is the role that I inhabit, not only from a social media space, but from creator relations for gaming, because mm-hmm. the idea of streaming of of Twitch was was something, you know, when when we were kids just didn't exist. Yeah, uh, And and honestly, my resume before working at Logitech G didn't include any gaming from a professional level. I didn't, you know, I didn't intern with studios. It was, it's, you know, it's been, it's gotten better, but I would say it was increasingly hard to get your foot in the door. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, talking 10 or so years ago, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't an easy career to follow unless you were a game developer. And mm-hmm. now I think that's changing because we do have content creators, and we do have social media management, and we do have a lot of other things that give you those avenues in. But even when I applied for for my my job with Logitech G when I f- was first starting out, you know, one of the questions I always like to ask at the end of interviews is: Is there anything on my resume that you would like me to address that I haven't? Mm-hmm. And the the person that was interviewing me who previously worked at, at Microsoft, um, who I really credit with kind of giving me my foot in the door, was, you know, he asked, you know, there's nothing on your resume I'd like you to address, but I do have to ask, why gaming? Mm-hmm. And that one question for me was my, my avenue to be able to talk about the experiences that I've had in gaming. Because mm-hmm. those experiences do put you in touch with what is going on it is very much you know you're a part of that culture you understand it in a way that if you don't have that experience it's harder to pick up on Mm -hmm. so i would i would say you know for for anyone listening who who is passionate about gaming but doesn't feel like they have that experience put it as one of your interests on your resume because sometimes even someone seeing that you're interested in video games it gives an them an avenue to to talk to you about. And mm-hmm. the even though it's not a professional career experience, your experience playing games, enjoying them, being a part of those communities is valuable experience.
0: Definitely, definitely. Uh, there's a couple of things you said that I definitely want to dive into, uh, one being like your, your professional and personal background, but also uh, two other things you said that just, okay, Final Fantasy X, absolutely love it so i have a personal history of final fantasy because like I- i'm originally from uh western samoa and english is like not my first language so when we moved to the united states and i had to learn english the first rpg that my mom got me because she just i was just that rebellious kid that just didn't want to read so she got me final fantasy 7 And just that just drew me in and just because I was like, my English at the time wasn't that great. So I was like, okay, I need to get better at reading and speaking English so I can understand this and talk to like the other kids at the school that were playing That
1: game, I I love that game. That game is what got me into Final Fantasy VII. And again, it's one of those games. There are a couple games where it's like every year or two, I have to go Mm -hmm. back and play them. Final Fantasy 7, Final Fantasy 9 are probably in my top five of every once in a while I have to go back and play those games. I did a run of Final Fantasy 9 earlier um, on stream uh, late last year and mm-hmm. did the full, full playthrough and did it with the McGarry mod so that the graphics were updated and everything. And it was almost playing it with fresh eyes yeah. in the sense that it was amazing to be able to see how much they had changed. Mm -hmm. And I loved that. And I mean, there were definitely I ended up doing basically two playthroughs of that game because I had my stream playthrough. And then there was one day where I was like, I want to just sit here and reset until I get all of these items because you have to steal the items from you know the bosses if you want Mm -hmm. to get that that little edge um, and things like that. So I ended up doing basically two simultaneously Simultaneous playthroughs at once.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, So, but those, those games to me, the narrative holds up. I mean, even though the graphics, you know, are, are at the time they were phenomenal, but are clearly dated now, Mm -hmm. I just absolutely love them for the story. Because I think that that, you know, that is something that is just timeless if you tell mm-hmm. a good story i mean it's the reason why we have so many remakes of classic literature and movies there's yeah. the reason we have you know people want to revisit certain stories is because that narrative is so enchanting and just pulls you in in a way that other things don't all the
0: time yeah especially oh, final fantasy 9 that world is just so magical like it it, for me, like, so I played Final Fantasy 7, and then I think we got the anthology, which I think that was 5 and 6. Mm-hmm. So I ended up playing 6, then I played 8, and 8 was hard for me to get into just because of the whole junctioning system.
1: I'm not me. a fan of 8. It, for that reason, I didn't, I loved the materia <laughs> setup of 7, yeah. and to go to 8, there was also something about the story that wasn't as captivating to me. I'll yeah. go and revisit it every once in a while just because I do really love the card game in 8. Oh, The card, I know, the card game it's is so why you good. play eight. The card game is why you play eight. I like the card game in 9, but let's face it, it's better in 8.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like going from like 8 to 9 just was, Zidane was such a lovable character. Like, it, no offense to Squall. But I just felt he was just such an lord. Like, he didn't have the charm of, of Cloud. He's like, he was just trying so hard. And then that whole, you know, the whole thing with him and Renoa that happened where he starts to embrace his feelings and whatnot. I was like, okay, but you're still a jerk. You're not Cloud. I <laughs> feel, yeah,
1: understand. exactly. Like, Cloud <laughs> had some redeeming features about him where it was just like you realized he was actually, you know, as a kid, bullied and wasn't yeah. this big strong alpha character and so he has some you know scars from that yeah and you know Tifa was a childhood friend who he made this promise to to come back and then you know the idea of is he a clone or is he not like
2: yeah that
1: whole that whole thing cuz then you start to question was what is true what is not and I'm very mm-hmm. excited for the remake. I played the remake. I'm very excited with what they did. But that is a separate conversation in the sense <laughs> of like changes between the original and the remake, but not to sideline from the 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 Final Fantasy discussion um, with Nine. I loved that Zidane was very much not the, the, the classic hero and not mm-hmm. a tragic hero, but he was much more of a, you know, a rogue. He was, mm-hmm. you know, I... I liken Final Fantasy nine to being very similar to Firefly. So if you're familiar with Firefly, I honestly, I map basically all of the characters in Final Fantasy nine to a final, to a Firefly character. So Zidane is Mal, because Mm -hmm. again, it's that, you know, they're, 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 they're good at being the bad guy. So to speak, Mm -hmm. you know, he's a thief, they're thieves, uh, but they still have that moral compass. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you look at uh, for um, Garnet River running away from something with, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Steiner as her big brother, Simon Protector chasing after her. Um, You look at, you know, with uh, with Vivi, Vivi, I either go very book because Mm -hmm. very philosophical, very philosophical question of why are we here? Why do we exist? Why do I exist? Also, uh, very much could could map to Wash in that sense because he does provide some comic relief. Uh, uh, let me think, who else? Freya, Zoe, has to be Zoe, let's face it. Mm-hmm. She's a dragoon knight. Like she's this strong <laughs> character. Um, I love that. Um, Iku, I go with either Kaylee or Inara. And then uh, with Queen of Quinn, I, I typically will either go Book or Wash.
2: Okay. So those okay.
1: those two are kind of the interchangeable. I tend to go more wash uh, just because one, I also feel like the name fits of like you're cooking, you wash dishes a lot, but also mm-hmm. that just comedic relief that you need.
0: So so what I've gathered from this is we could have an entire podcast about Firefly and Final Fantasy. Yep. Okay. Okay. Um, one of the other things that you, you said that really caught my interest was insane... In, in many, you know, in recounting a lot of your gaming experiences growing up, was uh, one, being able to, you know, find that tangibility between yourself and Lara Croft and Tomb Raider, and also being able to, you know, being pretty much, and correct me if I'm wrong, like the only female that was, or, or you know, that was gaming at the time around other. She was revolutionary.
1: I mean, so many people have said that that Lara Croft was revolutionary and I think that credit is really well deserved because Mm -hmm. there were definitely other strong female characters. Uh, You know, you look at Samus Aran, but you didn't know Mm -hmm. Samus was female at the time. You Mm -hmm. look at, you know, some of the more, not obscure games, but not quite as pop culture relevant Mm
2: -hmm. games.
1: And that to me is why Lara Croft is so enduring because you look at how many different games, how many different live action, you know, models have have played her. How many voice actresses? How many motion pictures have we gotten? Huge fan of Angelina Jolie and Alicia mm-hmm. Vikander. I think you know two very different takes on the character, and I appreciate both of them so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, I just appreciate how much she has the staying power and has really kind of changed the way we talk about female characters and narratives Mm -hmm. in games, because I don't really think at any point in those games, she's, she's, you know, seen as a character that is weaker than because she is female. And Mm -hmm. to me, it almost feels, I don't want to say inconsequential because I think there was a lot tied to her being female and being strong and powerful, Mm -hmm. but it's not done in a way that is pandering to me. Mm -hmm. And I know that obviously when, you know, when we discuss her character design, there are different philosophies on why certain things were done, but I also, you know, appreciate that they celebrated her femininity in that sense. Mm -hmm. So, you know, looking at the earlier, uh, iterations of her to, to later, I love the direction that they've taken, but I also appreciate where she's come from.
0: And, and speaking of that, like looking at uh, the re- the way that, you know, gaming has progressed, like the, the industry as a whole, uh, do you feel that there's better representation of female characters in gaming, um, both in visual representation as well as in uh, moving away from the damn zone distress, you know, iconography to where it is now, where You know, they're on equal footing with a lot of the male representatives or male characters that are in gaming.
1: I think it's definitely getting better. I don't think that we've, you know, I don't think anything is ever going to be perfect representation, but I think that there are a lot of really big strides to improve the representation that we see from a gender perspective, but also from a sexuality perspective, Mm -hmm. from uh, an ethnicity perspective. You know, I look at games like Mass Effect and mm-hmm. Dragon Age as being great I examples. Love Age. Oh, I see. We could have a whole other <laughs> podcast just talking about Dragon Age. I did a Dragon Age Inquisition playthrough uh, on stream earlier this year, Ooh. and so for me, I I love games where you have the ability to create your character. Mm-hmm. I love that aspect of because again, it's putting you into the game. Mm-hmm. In the way that, you know, those earlier games and having that early representation really did. And now mm-hmm. you're getting to craft your character. You can pick if you want to be, you know, I'm going to use Dragon Age as, as my example. You can be an elf, you can be a dwarf, you can be a human, uh, you can be Kanari. And I think that that's so great because mm-hmm. not everybody identifies the same way. And yeah. with Dragon Age Inquisition 2, I, I will never... It's not perfect. I will say that. I'm going to preface Mm -hmm. this and say it's not perfect. But when you look at the representation in that game from an LGBTQIA perspective, they Mm -hmm. really did try and they did it in ways that, again, it didn't feel as if it was hindering or if it was pandering. They really Mm -hmm. tried to explore different things that showed... It is natural and it's part of what makes you who you are. You know, one of my favorite characters, my favorite characters in that game are Dorian and Iron Bull. And mm-hmm. I love them so much. And I will never romance either one of them because I love the narrative that, you know, here they are, these two basically conflicting nations. They're mm-hmm. brought together by these circumstances and they actually form a connection and a bond. And if you take them with you enough, you can unlock that they actually have a relationship. And I think that that is so great because it, it does show, you know, from a preconceived notion perspective and, and representation and how people, you know, do have those certain biases in real life and and certain people do overcome them and, and realize kind of, Hey, I missed something and, and finding mm-hmm. that connection with that person that makes sense for them. And that to me was such a beautiful aspect of the story mm-hmm. that, I love that. Another character I love in that game that I really hope they bring back for the next one because, you know, they've released the teaser. It seems like we're going to Tevinter. I'm very excited about that. Uh, one, I really hope we get Dorian, but I also hope we get Krem. Krem mm-hmm. was such a great character because you got to see, you know, and hear from from his perspective what it was like to go up and grow up in a society that was not accepting of not only was he non-magical, Mm -hmm. But born a female, he identifies as male and exploring that and hearing the story. You know, you have the dialogue option to to ask him, how long have you known? Mm -hmm. And he he replies with, you know, I feel like I've always known. I feel like my dad knew he would, you know, sit there and and put shaving cream on my face and let me, you know, play shaving with him. And and that to me was such a beautiful moment because Mm -hmm. In a way, it was normalizing a behavior that we do have and see in in our, our society. And including that in a game in a way that felt like, it again, it didn't feel like it was a token aspect. Mm-hmm. And it, I felt like they actually did quite a bit of character development with Krem. Um, so I really loved that. And then also having Iron Bull come in and and say you are a real man, you know, mm-hmm. because they in the the Cune society, they they had accepted people that that were trans, and that mm-hmm. to me was again also such a great thing to see in the game.
0: I love your passion here, like in describing all of this and. Okay, I got to ask you, this is also an important question. Sidebar, but it's an important question. How did you feel about Dragon Age 2?
1: So here's an interesting one for you. Dragon Age Inquisition was actually my first entry into the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've gone back and I've explored Dragon Age 2, not from a playing perspective, but from a lore perspective. Okay. I feel like with each iteration, they've gotten better. Same with Mass Effect. Because mm. I, I've i I've played Mass Effect 1 and 2, I refuse to play 3 because the ending is <laughs> controversial and I stand by my decision. Um, I know a lot of people are like, no, you have to go back and play it. And I'm like, I'm waiting. I'm gonna wait on that one. <laughs> Maybe m- we're getting the remaster this year. Maybe I'll play it then, but going like sidebar on that. but uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, so for me, I think with each Dragon Age, it's gotten progressively better. Which, mm-hmm. you know, makes complete sense because as the technology and gaming advances, you're able to do different things. You're able to have different representation, but you're also building off of each iteration to, mm-hmm. you know, ideally improve and and grow that that entire world.
0: OK, OK, OK. All right. So, again, that could be a whole podcast right there about Dragon Age. I'm looking forward to that. You know, when we have you back on the show. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, uh, diving into another area, because I it's a very important thing to me, and I'm, I'm glad seeing it. it's also very important to you, is representation and inclusivity. Uh, sp- specifically, narrowing it down to gaming, do you feel like there's been a lot of progress made, and what challenges do you think that we're still facing that we, you know as a gaming community that we need to eventually overcome or are working towards currently overcoming.
1: I, this is a two part answer. I'm going to, I'm going to preface that and I'm going to speak from my observations and experience. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I completely acknowledge my privilege in the sense that I don't feel like I ever experienced the toxicity that I know a lot of other females in the gaming space have. Mm hmm. So I feel very fortunate in that because, again, I was playing with friends from real life more than I was playing online. And Mm -hmm. so the trash talk was never because I was a girl. It was very very much like, oh, you missed that shot. But they would say the exact same thing to the guy that was sitting next to me. Mm
0: -hmm. So it was
1: much more about how I was playing rather than the fact that I was a female. So, again, I'm acknowledging that experience makes me very privileged that I didn't experience that. That being said, I have seen the toxicity. Um, Mm -hmm. I haven't necessarily experienced, but I have seen it. I think that, I think there have been steps made. Mm -hmm. And I feel very fortunate to work for a company that wants to leave a positive impact on the gaming space and Mm -hmm. wants to be more inclusive and positive and grow that aspect of gaming. That being said, I feel like, there is a, a ways to go on, not just gender, but a multitude of, of areas when it comes to representation. So I think that, yes, we still have work to do. I think we mm-hmm. can celebrate changes that have been made, but I still feel like we have a long way to go.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, but the important thing is we're working towards it. That's, that's. and
1: ex- Exactly. it is. It is. I think it is. You know, very similar to to other uh, areas of life. It is good to it is good to celebrate the wins, and it mm-hmm. is important to celebrate those wins because those wins are what keep us going. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we still do have work to do, and it, you know, I know for for some people on on different topics, whether you know, I I don't want to say that we keep things separate from each other because everything is very much intersectional because Mm -hmm. your experience in one area is going to, you know, affect your experience and your, your overall outlook in other areas as well. And so Mm -hmm. it's important to celebrate those small wins because those, those wins keep us going, but we do have to remember that. We do have to remember why we do the things that we
0: do. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know shifting topics back to uh you um so you may mention you know about now you know now you're in the gaming industry but let's talk about like uh school you know growing up so your journey towards being where you are now with logitech like what was that journey like
1: it uh you know, ironically was very much influenced by video games. Mm -hmm. I joke that I wanted to be the real life Tomb Raider. I wanted to Mm -hmm. be the real life Lara Croft. I, my background is actually in art history. Mm -hmm. Um, I, art history with a minor in classics. Um, So studying art, studying sculpture, studying ancient history and ancient civilizations was very much what was part of my my passion and mm-hmm. you know that goes back to me being eight years old my mother and my grandfather taking me to Paris for the first time and um my mom my mom jokes that at, she should have known I was going to go into art history or art in some way shape or form then because I was eight years old mm-hmm. and I was telling her very specifically oh I want to see this painting and she's like oh what painting and I said um impression of a sunrise by Monet I was obsessed mm-hmm. with Monet he's still one of my favorite artists. And so she looked up where the painting was located, which museum we would need to go to. And she took me to the museum Mm -hmm. and I was very excited. I'm like, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see the painting that was stolen. That changed something in the conversation. She's like, no, it wasn't stolen. And I'm like, yes it was. And I was adamant that this painting had been stolen. And she's like, no, 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 it's here. They have it. And I'm like, no, it was stolen and recovered. Like she, and again, I'm eight years old. She's, you know, she's thinking, what does my eight-year-old know? Like, clearly she's mistaken. And the fact that she didn't want to or didn't just couldn't process that I knew this fact Mm -hmm. was a sticking point for me because I was like, no, I know I'm right. I know I'm right. I'm eight years old. Again, eight-year-olds don't understand the concept of inside voices very easily. (laughs) So I'm practically having a shouting match with my mother about this in the middle of a museum. I'm sure there were people looking at at us like, what is this crazy child doing? Mm -hmm. We finally get to the painting. I'm very irritated at this point because she refused to believe me. Sure enough, two armed guards and it's behind plexiglass. And she's like, what is this? Reads the plaque. Sure enough, stolen in 1992, later recovered, was repaired after it incurred some small damage. And she just looks at me dumbfounded because, again, what parent expects their eight-year-old to know that much about a piece of art, let alone a particular artist? Mm -hmm. And I just looked at her. (laughs) I didn't scream this, but I was definitely loud. Because again, eight-year-old, inside voice, didn't understand the concept. (laughs) And I just go, I told you so. And, And so for me, I always, I think Tomb Raider really reinforced my love of art and history and wanting to study it and Mm -hmm. wanting to know more and wanting to be as smart as Lara Croft and be able to go around the world and know about these different cultures and different artifacts. And so I pursued art history. Um, I was dead set on pursuing it. Uh, there was Mm -hmm. no other major really considered. And so for me, uh, I graduated from UCLA, had a minor in classics, I did my my first master's in art history as well because originally I was thinking, okay, I'm going to go work in a museum because let's mm-hmm. face it, what do you do with an art history degree? You, you work in a museum. You're like Indiana Jones. You, you know, <laughs> this belongs in a museum. Um, <laughs> so I did my first master's uh, and I, I actually studied in London. Again, mm-hmm. feeding into this idea that I was going to be the real life Lara Croft. Um, <laughs> and I love that experience and I love that I got to do that abroad. And then after that, it was kind of a, I don't really want to work in a museum. I don't think that's right for me. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, I'll go do art recovery for the FBI. And so I transitioned, I kind of took a year off, studied for the LSAT, went to law school for a year. In doing that, realized I didn't really want to work for the FBI, and I didn't mm-hmm. really want to be a lawyer, so left law school after a year, uh, but I joked it, it was the most expensive dating service I ever used because I met my husband at the time um, <laughs> through, through mutual friends who, who were also attending law school. So mm-hmm. at that point, I kind of end up in Northern California, uh, wasn't going to be moving back home with my mom because, again, I'd gotten married, and so I started looking at different different things that interested me. Mm-hmm. And one of them was social media. I was really, you know, I loved Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. I loved all of these different avenues because, again, it was how I connected with my friends while mm-hmm. I was abroad. But it was also how I connected with gaming and people that had those similar interests.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so then I pursued my second master's in digital communications with an emphasis on new media and wrote my my thesis on <laughs> on. Essentially fake news, and mm-hmm. um, how you can use different kind of nonverbal cues because social media is very much a nonverbal communication aspect. how mm-hmm. you can do, use hashtags, hyperlinks, pictures, videos, etc to increase your credibility in a, in a sense in each of these social posts and how, how if you have the right combination, Um, that increases again, your, your credibility. Um, and I, I've kind of forgotten some of this because it's been a number of years since I I've written my thesis. Um, Mm -hmm. but it was really interesting because I was writing this right when, you know, right during and, and after kind of fake news was a really big thing. And -hmm. again, I tied it into art in the sense I looked at. And, and culture because how social media was used during the Arab spring and how social media was used from a grassroots uh, fundraising and political aspect. I think that that is the really interesting thing about um, social media is that it is so intersectional in all of these different avenues of life, as we've, we've seen over the past, you know, I'd say five years. Um, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And it's, it's truly fascinating to see how, that change occurs. I know a lot of people have mixed feelings on each of the, the social platforms. I think that there are pros and cons, good and evil too, to everything, but it is mm-hmm. a tool, especially now during a pandemic, of how we can connect and how we can communicate and how we can you know, still have that social experience with people when we are more isolated. And yeah. the same with gaming. Gaming, you know, very much as a tool for for people to socialize and connect right now. But all of that, going back to you know, kind of how I got to where I am. If I, you want to
0: continue on that train of thought, I'm all I'm strapped in and ready, so <laughs> I'm fine with it. I was completely up to you.
1: I I, I feel like I'm all over the place, but to no to to kind of go <laughs> back to to what you were asking. I really feel like my varied experience is helpful for what I do, Mm -hmm. because I've been exposed to a lot of different things. And I know there is the phrase, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. Mm
2: -hmm. But
1: having varied experiences, I do think is helpful in today's society and career world, when no one is ever truly such a specialist anymore. Mm -hmm. I think that being able to, you know, for, for what I do, social media, I need to understand the platforms where the content creators are talking about their streams or posting their content. I need to understand mm-hmm. the best practices and stay up with that because that's where they are existing and that's where they're communicating and that's where they're producing their content. At the mm-hmm. same time, I my legal background, even though it was only a year, having a basic understanding of co- of contracts and negotiations is helpful, especially when you start to... You know talk with content creator management you know because let's face it the the field has gotten a lot more advanced and people do have representation and agencies that are working for them in this regard mm-hmm. and so in that sense i think that's very helpful i think that my art history background is also very helpful too because how do you analyze and dissect and talk about and what are you communicating in this content whether it is video or whether it's still wh- how do you judge what is a good piece of content? How do you judge what is a good piece of user generated content that you want to repost on a company's social media? All of these skills like you know that that I think is really beneficial to me because having all of these varied experiences have coalesced into the background that I have that I mm-hmm. feel makes me successful at what I do.
0: Awesome. Awesome. It's, um, it's very interesting. Like the, the journey, I feel like you and I are around the, the same age, like the journey from growing up to, to going to school, going through college, going through the master's program. And like, so, so my background is in marketing and communications. And when I graduated, it was like, okay, so I'm going to go work at some type of you know marketing firm and then social media took off and I'm like oh well there goes that (laughs) so I was like what do I do now and you know shifting for me like I shifted from marketing communications to working in IT and I was doing IT for about a decade until recently when I was like all right I can't see myself doing this for the rest of my life so let me move over to contracting and I was like oh that's not for me and i did a little stint with legal as well i was like yeah not for me but it's interesting in all those fields that i dabbled in you know similar to you like it all coalesces into the next thing you know that we're doing within the gaming sphere and it's it's amazing to look at that it's like wow that wasn't useless after all or that actually came back to be very very useful <laughs>
1: No, it's very true. And, you know, going back to what I said earlier about, you know, not having necessarily any professional gaming experience up until I got my job with Logitech G, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, I I got the I told you so to my mom where, see, all of all of the hours that I put into playing video games was useful for something. Because, again, in today's society, it is much less about those traditional I have a degree in this, I have a degree in this, therefore I get Mm -hmm. this career. It is much more, you know, I look at, you know, you can, there are so many different people that I think are, are reinforcing that, that there are so many different ways to get to where you want to go. And
2: mm-hmm. there is no
1: blueprint for any one particular career. It's, do you bring passion? Do you bring knowledge? Do you bring experience that makes you successful?
0: Mm-hmm. So This makes me want to ask because I I work frequently with the University of Hawaii out here. Can we have you come out here and speak to the students (laughs) about this? Because, like, man, I feel like there's so much, like, wisdom that not only that you're sharing here, but that you could share to the students because, like, there's so many students out here that, um, you know, both into college and also occasionally they'll have the high schools come over to the colleges for the, you know, speaking for career day and stuff like that, where they're interested in the gaming industry, but because of the culture out here in Hawaii, like gaming is very heavily frowned upon. Like mm-hmm. there's the idea that like there's no future in it. So like typically a uh, career path for people out here in Hawaii would be going into construction or working within the uh you know travel industry out here or consumerism for like the tourists that come here um occasionally it's working with the hospitals too because that's another high- paying career field but you know gaming uh social media like that is just not heavily looked upon and it's one of the reasons why like you know for me going into being con- being a content creator being you know growing up here in Hawaii was seeing that there wasn't really other content creators out here or very few that are actually doing anything in gaming. I'm like, Okay, so why is that? You know, how can I be an agent of change to help, you know, bridge that gap between, you know, not only myself and the companies, but other people who may have an interest in working in gaming be it you know it's a content creator or working with the industry itself uh several of my friends are actually they're working at nintendo or bandai namco and they're all from here and it's crazy like growing up we never thought it, you know that would be a thing because the idea being from hawaii is that can't happen so yeah i have I would love to have you talk to this
1: <laughs> I I am happy I'm, you know, that, that is one of the things, and this is really one from, from multiple different aspects of, of representation. I think it's really helpful. Um, and I would be honored to obviously post pandemic when, when travel is a little easier, I would, I would be honored to, to, to come out and, and to speak to some of the students.
0: Definitely. Definitely. Um, So one of the things uh, I definitely want to touch on as far as like social media and also being respectful of your time because I know we got a few minutes left. But uh, as far as social media, when it comes to like um, content creators and uh, influencers, so this is my how I am. and, And this is just to set the tone for it. I, you know, with how I approach, you know, individuals in the gaming industry or tech companies or various, you know, brands that I work with. Like, you get to see me authentically as I am. I'm just, you know, a goofy Polynesian out here. But also the business aspect of how if I work with you, this is what you're going to get. Like, I'm going to give 110%. I do try to stay away from controversy and whatnot. But I want to know how, in your opinion, it is for, like, how should a content creator approach being authentically themselves? But being able to be, you know, brand approachable. Like a brand doesn't have to take risks like, oh, okay, you're a red flag. <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> I definitely think there is no, I'll put it this way, there is no easy answer to this question. Mm-hmm. Because there are there are going to be certain brands that do have a higher or lower risk t- tolerance
2: mm-hmm. that,
1: you know, even you as your authentic self and be trying to be brand safe might not be a fit for them or might not be a fit for them at the time so i do think something important for any content creator to realize is that the timing has to work from both sides so even though you get a no at one point or even though you get a yes that may change later on because Mm -hmm. people may decide hey we're gonna go in a different direction or hey you know different things come up. So that is that is something important to remember, you know, like other creative industries, whether, you know, I, I look at, you know, acting or modeling or writing or photography or anything like that, there's always going to be an element of rejection. Mm-hmm. And it is part of the industry. And that's okay. The important thing is to always try to be learning always trying to be refining and also staying true to yourself because you might be approached by a brand and you might not feel comfortable working with that brand because you might feel, hey, I would have to tone down who I am or, hey, this is associating me with something I'm not comfortable with. It goes Mm -hmm. both ways. And so that's important to remember is that you need to weigh not only how do you make yourself brand approachable, but what brands do you want to align with?
0: Right. right. And, and um, one of the things like with oftentimes I'll work with other content creators, I either I collab with them you know, doing video editing and whatnot, or, you know, I'll have bigger and smaller creators reach out like, Oh, how, how did you work with this company? Like, who's your contact? Like, how did you get this? How do you get that? And, you know, sometimes more often than not, I'll be told like, Oh, this brand turned me down. So I reach out again. And I'll say, you know, going back to what you said, like, you know, one, always learn. And that's also learning from yourself. Like, okay, what could I have done better in this situation? But also, you know, when it comes to working with companies, if they say no, yeah, that doesn't mean no forever. That means probably right. Not right now, but if there's a, Products that they have or service that they have, and you're passionate about it, I've always told people still cover it. Still, you know, if you're a content creator that does reviews, if it's a service or product, still cover it because they still see that and it still goes a long way because that could come up down the road.
1: <laughs> I think, no, I think that is absolutely great feedback to give someone because, again, you know, speaking as far as what I do, but also what I am familiar with other brands doing, we do go back Mm -hmm. and look, you know, we do go back and look at what your social media is. And, you know, I'll use a hypothetical situation, if someone Mm -hmm. reaches out and gets a no, and then goes on social media and publicly trashes a company, well, that no is more than likely going to stay a no. whereas if you Mm. get a no, and you learn from hey what can i improve on what can i do better as a creator what what how can i improve my skills and you don't necessarily burn that bridge you know that again that no could turn into a yes later on when there is a better fit for a particular product or there is a just better fit for an overall program so Mm -hmm. i think that advice that that you give people is is very valuable and so calling that out very good advice (laughs)
0: so so what are your thoughts on like um social media etiquette like do you feel like there is a certain way like people should conduct themselves like i guess creators in a professional sense or like what are your thoughts on that
1: again i think this goes back to understanding who you are as a person what Mm. your personal values are, what your personal morals and ethics are, because at the same time you don't necessarily want to censor yourself to where you feel like you're being inauthentic. So again, I think that it's a very fine line. It's going to vary from person to person what you feel comfortable with. Mm -hmm. I think, again, it's important to understand that not everybody is going to be a fit for every brand and that's speaking very hypothetically. Um, I'll use myself as an example. While I might be a fit for a, a company that is related to art in some way, given my background, I'm not as in the know currently. So mm-hmm. you're not always going to be a fit at every one point.
0: Right, right. Um, so, you know, winding down, because I know we've got a couple of minutes left, but what is a typical day like for Giselle? Like, What happens on, on a <laughs> daily? Like. Walk us through that.
1: I wish I could say there was a typical day, uh, but it it varies. You know, it varies depending on what we have coming up. Um, mm-hmm. What what point in the month I'm in, where we're at in our fiscal year. So I think it, it's very uh, it's a varied experience.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I will say if anybody is ever curious about creator relations, highly recommend checking out internships and whatnot because it's a great way to get that behind-the-scenes look that I can't necessarily talk about on uh, on a podcast (laughs) and whatnot. But no, it's very varied. I will interact with a lot of different people, be it Mm -hmm. internal or external and content creators or agents, managers, lawyers, et cetera. It's also, you know, I, I will say one of the fun things I get to do uh, that tends to be more that surprise and delight moment is you know, occasionally putting together gift boxes and care packages for content creators we work with, just because it's those personal moments that I really enjoy. And mm-hmm. how we've really tried to build our program is being much more friendly and approachable because we want people to collaborate with us. Mm-hmm. And that isn't necessarily, you know that's that's the uh, the non NDA answer and, and whatnot. But no, that, I, that is and that is something that I'm very proud about the work that I get to do is that we really do value the relationships we have. We want to nurture those and we want to collaborate with people because we really believe life is more fun when you play and we want to make play more accessible.
0: That's definitely something I've seen with, uh, you know, on, on both the, the front and back end, I've seen a lot of, you know, on with the social media for Logitech G, like how you guys are with your creators and how, you know, you interact with people on social media is definitely very welcoming and inclusive. And I love that. And, you know, for a lot of my friends that are partnered with you guys, like nothing, but glowing remarks. And it's just, I love hearing that. I love and
1: (laughs) I, I love hearing that too, just in the sense, and this is my very diplomatic answer in the, in the sense that I, all of the creators that we work with are my favorite because I really, Just I feel like the community that we've built and nurtured Mm -hmm. is very different in background and experience, but again, unifies around this idea that life is more fun when you play and they want to have a good time and they want to enjoy things and they want to to come together and share that love of gaming. And Mm -hmm. that to me is so refreshing and exciting when I get to to have conversations with them. Uh, and whatnot. I really, you know, I really miss conventions right now because there are so many great memories that I have of going to conventions and hanging out with content creators and different stories, uh, mm-hmm. from that, that it is one of the, the true highlights and joys of, of what I get to do.
0: Awesome. Oh, you know, and I, Hopefully, maybe in the next year or two, we might get conventions again. Fingers crossed, fingers them. crossed. Right, right. Like, I, I definitely miss going to conventions because, like, 2019 was the first year that I actually got to go to majority of all the major conventions from E3 to PAX, and I got flown there by, like, uh, PDP to each one, and it was, like, the first year where I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm a Hawaii creator that's actually getting to do this, like... You don't hear about that, and it's like, oh yeah, 2020 happened. Ugh.
1: <laughs> but it's but it one, it, it's also so great that you got to have those experiences, and obviously, no one really got to have those experiences this year. But two, that you get to tell that story because it does yeah. show that you know I feel like a lot of people will get discouraged early on in pursuing anything in gaming because they're you know. To your point, they'll either say, oh, I'm from, you know, this area, or I don't have a shot at doing this, or, or, you know, they'll, they'll kind of mentally put themselves out of the game. Mm -hmm. And it's important to remember, you shouldn't do that. Again, you might get rejected from brands you want to work with at a particular time, but keep working at it, keep striving for it. Because I really do feel like if you are passionate about something, you have to put in the work. Yes. And putting in that work gets you noticed and it opens up new opportunities. And it's important to remember that people, you know, people are working to, to see change in this industry. And it's important to, to keep striving for that.
0: Yeah. Like anything worth having is worth fighting for, worth improving and working hard to achieve. And, you know, with a lot of the creators that I, Do get to work with and interact with and be friends with out here. Uh, And I keep prefacing here because, like, I want to see more Hawaii content creators, more Polynesian creators that are, you know, up there, you know, doing great things. And it's just trying to get past that barrier of, you know, my family said there's no future in it. Like, no, The, the old way of this is the it is not the way anymore. There's so much opportunity. And sometimes it's so frustrating to me. Again,
1: (laughs) you know, I I think about, I think about, you know, when I was in, like I said, the second grade, and I was told by my teacher, 50% of you in this classroom will have jobs that do not exist right now. Mm -hmm. And I think about that now. And when we look at, you know, any exponential growth in anything, you know, it is, it is truly remarkable to see that just uptick in that curve. And that Mm -hmm. applies to the gaming space and that applies to all of these different industries. And we just have to keep reminding ourselves that there are going to be opportunities that do not exist right now for us currently. Again, I'm using my personal background. Mm -hmm. If you had told me, you know, 20 years ago that I would be doing what I'm doing now. And these are all of the steps that I'd have to go through, but all of these steps, even though they might've originally be taking me down a different path Mm -hmm. would get me to where I am. You know, I would have said, I don't see it. And it's important to, to not lose sight of the fact that there are going to be those opportunities that we can't even comprehend right now that are going to come up.
0: Right. 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 Two two final questions. I, um, I want to ask you one Actually, it's two questions in one. But (laughs) uh, um, uh, how often are you getting an opportunity to game right now? And are you able to stream regularly?
1: Uh, I was streaming regularly. That being said, I do feel like I've taken a bit of a break from that over the last, Mm -hmm. I would say, three, four weeks, just mm-hmm. from a mental health perspective. Part of the reason why I started streaming was I felt like I was missing out on that social element. So it was giving me mm-hmm. an opportunity to game and engage. I get to do a lot of gaming. I will say that, whether it is mobile gaming, Pokemon Go, it was Pokemon Go uh, Community Day last weekend, so I was definitely out doing that, um, mm-hmm. to, to playing Sims at night to wind down. Previously, before that, it was Animal Crossing New Horizon. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, for me, I keep reminding myself that, again, part of the reason why I did start streaming was I wanted to be better at my job and understanding what content creators are going through. But if the idea of being on camera and being on in that sense is going to create more stress and pressure on myself,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that's counterproductive to me because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it is better for me to be feel rested and happy and healthy mentally. Um, mm-hmm. then try to put pressure on myself to be as, you know, regular as I previously was. Uh, I do, you know, I would love to to start streaming more regularly again. I think right now, though, just for me personally, I'm kind of enjoying being off a little bit, especially as mm-hmm. we we gear up for kind of fun things to come with, with Logitech-G.
0: Okay, okay. Now, I, I perfectly understand what you're saying as far as like streaming and the mental health aspect. I'm very, very big on being a mental health advocate because streaming and just being in the gaming atmosphere the gaming industry that mental health can be draining it can take a toll um i do a lot of stuff with i'm I'm actually one of the ambassadors for saving our world and you know i i personally had to take some time off from streaming because it's like it's draining it takes a toll and it's like a lot of people think oh you're just hitting go live and you know, and everything is easy. And it's like, no, you have to deal with technical issues. You have to deal with trolls. You have to make sure your community is good. Or your, your mods are doing their thing and you had to focus on the game. You got to be entertaining. And it is a lot. <laughs>
1: and I will, I will do one shameless plug in this sense. Go I also it. feel like part of the reason why I'm not streaming as much right now is because, uh, and if, if, Anybody follows Logitech, you will will have seen this on social media. We are doing a creator spotlight series each month Mm -hmm. and doing charity um, engagement and donations each month for different charities. Uh, I am one of the people moderating on those. So I feel like, you know, in working to set those up to coordinate with content creators that are very graciously donating their time to come and support these causes, that also, you know, adds an element to that, that stress and being on because I am... On stream, you just might not see my my mm-hmm. face, and so I think that's also part of it too. Because I really feel, again, very fortunate to to work with a company that is striving to make change. And I think that you know, s- supporting those causes right now, we're we're highlighting uh, creators of color with our Black History Month streams, mm-hmm. and supporting the Loveland Foundation who work to provide therapy funds and help communities in need, specifically uh, black women and girls. So that is, I'm so passionate about that. But again, it's taking a little bit more of my energy that normally I might have put into my own stream. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. Okay. And is there anything you want to leave the audience with before we go?
1: I highly recommend you check out our uh, creator spotlight series on the Logitech G uh, Twitch and Facebook. Uh, They're a great way to see the community of creators that we work with at Logitech Mm -hmm. G to support great causes, as well as just come out and get to hang out with different creators and be exposed to different creators that you might not necessarily know about. Uh, Again, shameless plug. There is one tonight with Miss Ash Rocks. It's going to be at... 7 p.m. Pacific time, if I remember correctly, off the top mm-hmm. of my head. So it's a great way, you know, for you to come and see our channel, but also to get exposure to a content creator you might not be familiar with.
0: Awesome. Awesome. I lied. I actually, I actually have one <laughs> final question for you. Did you have fun?
1: I had a blast. And I, if you would be a uh, willing to have me i would be honored to to come back we have we have to have more of an in-depth discussion on on dragon age and final fantasy and what i feel like those franchises <laughs> in and of themselves like we could spend hours talking about
0: exactly i it would be an honor to have you back on again i would love to have you back on the show i dragon uh, dragon age uh final fantasy we could talk about tomb raider um there's a lot there There's a lot we could talk about and I I would love to have you back on again. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day to come on the show and go ahead. There's no shameless plugs, but tell everyone where they can find you
1: again. plug You can, you can can find me on, uh, Twitch and Twitter at Gigi Firefly. Uh, and I'm ggfirefly.tv on Instagram. My Instagram is definitely a little less gaming focused, uh, Mm -hmm. but I, uh, Always enjoy meeting new people, talking about games, and yeah.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And I'll leave links to all of Giselle's outlets down below as well as Logitech G as well. And you can find this episode of the podcast along with many others on every podcasting outlet from Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Pandora. And recently we just got added to Amazon Music. And with that being said, I hope you guys have a great one. I hope you learned a lot and you enjoyed this. And We can't wait to have Giselle back on the show. But this is Mikel and Giselle. We are signing out. You guys have a great one. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. I hope it was informative, engaging, and you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure you go ahead and leave a rating and a review. It greatly helps out the podcast and helps the platforms that we're on. Go ahead and promote us more so that more people can check it out. And if you're wondering what all platforms we're on, aside from what you've listened to it on, We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, and more. If you want to support the podcast, then we've got Patreon, so patreon.com slash Casanova, which allows us to continue doing what we're doing. If you're looking for this in video format, we're also available on twitch.tv slash Casanova as well as youtube.com slash Casanova. So with all that being said, I'll catch you on the next episode of Hawaii's number one podcast and the number one podcast in the Pacific, the Casanova podcast. You have a great day and I'll see you on the next one.